Thank you, uh, and thank you for everybody behind the scenes who makes these meetings safe. I'm C. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovering in Maryland, and my abstinence date is 7-21-21, so obviously I have not been around for a long time. I will say that um, I, I, tried, uh, I tried OA many years ago, many years ago. At that time, I mean, I laugh at it now when I think of, oh, how much weight I thought I had to lose. But uh, nothing compared to to what would be uh, my hundred pounder status today. My highest recorded weight is two ninety one. I was five ten. I seem to have shrunk with old age, and so I'm down to five eight. And I'm upset about that. None of my short friends feel sorry for me that I'm down to five eight. But um, I was tall for a long time, and that helped me a lot. But I did have some extra weight many years ago, and I tried OA, and I didn't like it, but I didn't remember why until I came in during the pandemic and started to listen, to really listen, and I heard something about a grace sheet, and I thought, oh, I remember now. Uh, someone told me this person's going to be your temporary sponsor, and she handed me this sheet, and I looked at that, and I didn't say so, but I thought, I'm not doing that. I, I am not doing that. This lady will never hear from me. And I left. And I lost weight on my own. I know how to lose weight on my own. So I'll come back to that while I'm here. I didn't have food issues that I can recall as a child. I grew fast. I was tall and skinny for a long time. And what I do remember having is food insecurity because I grew up with a mother and stepfather who were both uh, alcoholic and violent and just never knew when things were going to blow up. And there were times when I didn't know if any of the big people in the house were actually going to pay attention and feed me. So I remember having food insecurity also because, you know, we human beings are complex. Um, a lot of these things go together. This isn't my only 12-step uh, program. But I I remember having issues around abundance and um, and food, because we didn't have a lot. My stepfather was a low-ranking airman, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and we didn't have a lot. And I can remember I didn't like the kinds of foods we had, and uh, I just wanted to grow up and get out of there so that I could have a really good job and buy what I wanted, whatever I wanted, including food. There were also times when my stepfather would just go away, um, and the longest he went away was a couple of months. It was long enough for my mom to have to go to social services because we were about to be evicted and there was no food in the house. There was a can of cream corn and some white rice. So that was my first food trauma that I recall. When she took me to the kitchen and showed me the refrigerator and showed me the pantry and there was nothing left but those two items. And I just had the sense in my little girl body at that point that I wanted to grow up and make sure that I was never without food again. So I did start squirreling away food when I was a child because I worried about whether or not somebody would remember or be able to feed me. I don't recall it being so much about my wanting to eat it so badly as I wanted to make sure that when I was hungry, I had something to eat. But that pattern of squirreling away food would continue well into my adulthood. As a matter of fact, it's something that I'm still working on even today. 
So as I said, I was skinny for a very long time, and um, I got pregnant when I was in college, and that was the first time that I blew up. I was a professional model part-time, and they told me not to starve this baby trying to keep my figure. And I thought, yes, sirree, not a problem. And I ate whatever I wanted to, and I gained a tremendous amount of weight, went to over 200 pounds. And uh, that didn't make my boyfriend very happy. It sure didn't make the doctors happy. I was able to get that weight off. I was young and fit and uh, strong, and I knew how to get weight off when I needed to get weight off because I generally carried about 10 more pounds during the off-season than I did during the active runway season. So I knew how to get weight off, just severely restrict. And, of course, I exercised a lot anyway, because modeling is about being more than skinny. You also have to be fit um, in order for the body to do the kinds of things that it does, which are unnatural. So the weight came off, and I didn't have to worry about my weight anymore. I mean, there were times when I was like, you know, 10, 15 pounds, up, down, not a big deal. I could just eat a little less of something or, you know, stop drinking sodas or whatever, and the weight would come up. Somewhere in my 40s, I started to pick up weight and hold on to it. By the time I was 50, uh, that's when major weight was coming on, and I was getting it off by myself, by severely restricting, working out two hours a day. That's how I would get weight off. I have lost and regained more than 50 pounds three times in my life from the age of 50 to 60. I got, you know, as much as almost 70 pounds at once. It always came back. It always came back with interest. And what I learned when I finally got to you all is because um, it's not about food. I mean, it is about the food, but it's not about the food. What I didn't understand for a very long time was that there was a profound loneliness in me. Now, this didn't have anything to do with being partnered or not partnered. I mean, even when I was heavy, I mean, you know, guys have always been interested in me. That wasn't the issue, but there was something in me. And I have been in 12-step recovery for a long time. So I was working the steps. I was, you know, practicing these principles and all my affairs, I thought. But we are complex human beings, and sometimes we put down one thing and pick up another. I know that was the case for me. And so I was trying to fill that empty space. And what better than food? I mean, you got to eat. One of the things that I learned when I got to OA was that I am a grazer because I kind of didn't understand why I kept gaining so much weight because I'm not a person who piles. I'm not a volume eater. I'm not a high-quantity eater. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I've never binged on anything. Of course I have. Um, particularly if something is sweet and creamy. Love that. Uh, I sat down with a big you know, pub, tub of that from time to time. But for the most part, I'm a grazer. I just eat all the time. I eat like I drank, which was all the time. If I like something, I want more of it. I have a disease of more. I want more of it. If it feels good, tastes good, sounds good, I want more of it. And it all goes back to that deprivation that I experienced early on. Is there ever enough? Will there be enough? I worry for so long about there not being enough. And that just showed up in a lot of ways. So I have multiples of everything in my life. I mean, if, you know, why have one can of, of, of coffee when you can have two cans of coffee? Because you never know. They might run out of my favorite brand. It's all of a piece. 
So I didn't want to come to OA. I didn't want another 12-step recovery program, and I didn't want to come here. I didn't want to hear people talk about food all the time, and I figured out I couldn't do this by myself. And I started calling in. And it took me a minute to get used to these phone line things, but, but I did because I understood that I needed you all, that I cannot do this by myself. And what I believe about my higher power is that we are wired for relationship. We are wired for community. We're not supposed to try to do life by ourselves. And so here I am uh, in this fellowship. One of the first things I did was to get in service for two reasons. One, I didn't want to be here. I really didn't. I wanted to go off and do it by myself and then come back and tell you all how I did it. But I know that doesn't work. And the other reason is because um, having been in 12-step recovery, I know that that is where I am safest. I will heal. I will recover when I am in the middle of the herd, and that includes being in service. As a matter of fact, service is critical. Also, I don't want to live my life as a taker. You know, life, life is about, to me, reciprocity. We give, we receive. We give, we receive. And I don't want to be somebody who's just always on the taking end of life. I want to give back. Now, I, can, I need to be careful with that, which is why I need these steps, because, you know, there can be seeming virtue in giving all the time, and sometimes ego can be involved in that. But I, one of the first things I volunteered to do was um, to uh, be a moderator for the marathons because I know how to do that. I've been doing that for years. So I started doing that, and then I became a speaker getter, and I volunteered to be a speaker getter because I knew that I would actually have to reach out to people. I'd have to, to get to know people. I'd have to ask people to serve, and that would keep me in the middle of the herd. And you know what? It worked. And now I do service in other ways, and I serve um, on the, uh, uh, beyond our local group level. And, and it's a blessing to me. It is. And it helps me to remain abstinent. I've been doing some traveling almost all of July. I was traveling, and from the sixth on, I wasn't feeding myself. Food was being provided for me wherever I was. And I wasn't afraid. I wasn't worried about this. What I know is that for me in recovery, food cannot continue to be my God, small g. It just can't. Um, Alcohol does not have control over my life today if I don't put it in my mouth. And I don't want food to have control over my life. I came here listening to you all and wondering would I ever get neutrality around food. And I'm happy to say that it has finally happened. And I can go wherever I need to go. Uh, the food, especially when I was in England, the chef that we had was amazing, and the food was wonderful, and I maintained my abstinence. My abstinence is very simple. I eat three meals a day, a snack if I want it, um, and they are moderate-sized meals and nothing in between. And the timing, I had to adjust the timing while I was away because I was traveling with a large group. And so, you know, I wasn't able to eat at the times that I eat back home, but I did designate those three times based on our schedules and our meals, and I was able to maintain my abstinence. And what a blessing that is. Um, There were 38 people in the group that I was traveling with overseas, and six of us were absolute obvious visually 100-pounders. I want to talk just a little bit about the 12th step because it's so important to me. Um, I have been on a slow roll, 
and and my higher power has had me on a slow roll. I know how to lose 50 pounds in four or five months. I've done it before, and it all came back. And this time, my higher power is really clear that this needs to be sustainable. I need to learn to live with food in a way that I can maintain this for the rest of my life because severely restricting and working out two hours a day, it turns out is not sustainable for me. I'm not going to do that the rest of my life, nor is it healthy. Many, many years ago when I was uh, trying to quit smoking for the third time, uh, the community college had the smoking cessation program. And and it was a three-pronged thing, and one part of it was um, acupuncture. And our, the acupuncture put the needles in us, and then he would, he would, you know, teach to us. He would tell us about the body, the spirit, that kind of thing while we were perking, as he called it. And I'll never forget, one of the things he said was that we live in a culture that exalts violence. We go to war on things, the war on drugs, the war on crime, the war on poverty. He said, we just declare war. He said, and we do that to our bodies. When we find that we are in an unhealthy relationship, in this case it's tobacco, then we declare war on ourselves, and we just start to beat ourselves like crazy. We do it to lose weight. We do it to quit smoking. We just go to war on ourselves. And he said, how about we stop doing that? How about we accept that there are, for whatever reason, you and tobacco were a perfect fit, and it seemed to be working for you until it wasn't. And he said some more things, but I have never forgotten that, that, you know, I, do I declare war on my body? Do I declare war on my spirit? And the answer is in the past, yes. Severely restricting and two hours of working out is declaring war on my body. It's punishing me. It is punishing me for doing what I couldn't not do. And so today I, I choose not to treat myself that way. And so this is a slow roll. I, you know, I had a goal of losing 30 pounds a year for three years, if that's what it took. And I'm absolutely on target, and my weight keeps going down. There's not up and down, up and down. This is sustainable. And it just feels so good to be able to go anywhere, be around whatever, and not have to worry about what other people are drinking or what other people are eating. That's not for me. I mean, their food is their food, and my food is my food. Um, when I looked at, at some of um, you know the folk who were on this trip, it is not my job. I'm nobody's higher power. It is not my job to um, declare anybody anything. But I did pray for them. I prayed for everybody on the trip. I mean, it's just what I do. But I also prayed for them because I hope if it is their desire that they find this fellowship one day because there was an awful lot of, um, of weight on some of our bodies, and I know the toll that that takes. Diabetes is not running my family, but I became diabetic, like magically. How did that happen? And after the first 20 pounds was gone, guess what? My CL numbers came right back down. It was just the weight. So I know the the costs. I know the consequences of this. But I wasn't dropping hints, and I wasn't, you know, like dropping leaflets from OA all over the place. I simply wanted to be a calm presence, if anyone indicated any little teeny bit of interest uh, in reducing. And I I didn't hear it. And so I continue to pray for them because it's not my business. I couldn't save myself. I had to come to you all. And I'm so grateful. Step 12 is, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The first, the spiritual principle of step 12 is service. And on page 81 of the 12 and 12, step 12 begins with the acknowledgement of a great truth. We who have worked the first 11 step of the Overeaters Anonymous program have had a spiritual awakening and we now have a message of hope to carry to other compulsive overeaters. We who once suffered from complete powerlessness to control our eating and our lives have now discovered the saving strength of a power greater than ourselves. We have experienced the miracle of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing just as we were promised when we began working these steps. I grew up um, not wanting to hear promises because they were always broken. And so when I discovered the promises in the big book, I thought, huh, well, we'll see about that. And, you know, they've all come true in my life. They all. And there are promises in this program. You all have promised me that you'll be with me, that you will walk alongside me, that we will do this together. And that is a wonderful thing because I can't do it alone. On page 83, and I'll close with this, few of us expected this would be so when we started working the steps. It's talking about the greatest joy of recovery. For years, we've looked for gratification in unbridled eating, in material possessions, in careers, and our many attempts to have perfect bodies, and in money, sex, and social status. Although most of us have received and enjoyed some of these things, the satisfaction we felt in them was small compared with the joy we have found in sharing this program with other compulsive overeaters. That is certainly true for me. I'm so grateful for every single one of you, most of whom I've never seen in my life. I don't know if I ever will, but I know that we're here for the same reason, because we are compulsive eaters, either over or under or both and we have found a solution in these 12 steps of recovery. And so I'm just going to keep coming back, and I'm going to keep doing service, and I'm going to keep trying to share the message in all the ways that I know how, and to encourage others to do the same. If you haven't done any service work in OA, I just invite you to consider there are many points of entry. Some of them are pretty, you know, low cost, like reading it, you know, or taking on one of the, the assignments at one of the meetings, you know, being a, um, a, the person who takes the names and numbers, uh, the person who reaches out to newcomers. There are so many ways, just opening your mouth and sharing. There's so many ways to be of service to spread this message of recovery. There is hope and healing in this place. And I'm so grateful that I got over my ego, um, that I swallowed my pride and came back to OA and uh, I just hope I stay here. I really do. I hope that my uh, abstinent date never changes. But if it does, I know you all are going to say, welcome back. You will not condemn me or judge me. And that is a blessed way to live. So with that, I will stop sharing. And the topic that I uh, recommend is either step 12 and or service. I pass. Okay, excellent. Just one second. 